Welcome back to the second episode of Bootstrap Journeys. Today I have yet another interesting story. This story is of a writer's path to leading one of the biggest businesses of IBM. She was the first in her family to attend the college. She got a bachelor's degree in arts for creative writing and went on to do her MBA. She started her professional journey as a tech writer 30 years ago and now she is the director of software development at IBM. She has held leadership roles in software management, organizational transformations and people management. Please welcome Maureen Townsend, a leader to look up to and a leader to learn the mantras of career growth from. Welcome to the show Maureen. Thanks it's been a pleasure. You have an English degree but you're leading one of the biggest technology divisions with IBM. Can you share with us how did this happen? Well it's funny because my exposure to technical interactions started actually when I was in university. As an undergraduate in my freshman year I took seven classes and in those seven classes we used computers for everything except tennis. And this was in the 70s so it was not all that common. I was an English major, um had computer things. We learned Minitab, we were doing statistical analysis to understand his- historical trends and and I loved those things. So as I went forward in my career I sort of divide my career into kind of three phases and so the first phase was was my writing phase and that was really where I was honing my communication skills that was where I was working on on developing documentation for software products my first job as a technical writer was for a small startup company we had okay. about 300 employees we created a computer system we manufactured it on the first floor and the engineering department was on the second floor and then eventually came to IBM and started as a technical writer spent 7 years in that discipline learning how to interact with customers how to gather information the last role that i was in in that organization was was as a client advocate ibm had books that that came in these massive shelves and and literally in the computer rooms it was tens of thousands of pages of documentation and the joke among our customers was that IBM's told you everything that you ever need to know but it would take you three lifetimes to read it all mm-hmm. i uh was here for two weeks as a new employee and for reasons that i still don't know i got involved in an audit an internal audit so in my fifth week of employment with this company i was giving a presentation to explain to my boss's boss's boss what his organization was doing wrong uh it was a little intimidating but but it was one of those things where you just get up in the morning and skip breakfast so that because <laughs> 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 you because you're nervous and but I was able to to convey some messages and and as an outsider who was new to the process I was able to observe some things and I didn't know that I shouldn't criticize this person or that process I just didn't have any of that kind of baggage so it it sort of set me off as a um someone who was willing to speak their mind in the organization and I think that helped me in my career. So that was really my my focus in the first period. Then the second period was I went into project management role. And for me that was a a very enlightening thing because it took me out of sort of a discipline silo and and gave me a perspective across all of product and was able to to sort of understand that big picture that then became context for other things that I would do. As a project manager one of my areas of focus and specialization has really been about risk. And so as a leader I'm always looking for where's the largest risk and then what are the things that I can be doing 
mitigate that risk to make sure that I'm effective in whatever goal it is I'm trying to accomplish. As I went through um, transformational roles, I took on some opportunities to help change organizations, to help define new processes to drive the entire company. And, and those opportunities really were things that inspired me to try and figure out ways to always be doing things better. And so when we came in and tried to implement some of the core principles of Agile, you know, driving down the decision-making to the lowest practical level, creating autonomous teams and giving them what they need to succeed, those kinds of principles were, were very threatening to some of the individuals in the organization. And my, my approach to thinking about things from a risk perspective allowed me to identify impact on the team as a whole and do something about it rather than waiting for something negative to happen. And then the third phase is, is what I think of as my business and people management. This is where I begin to manage teams of people and products. Um, I had one job where I was a, a second line manager operating system development organization. Um, and I loved that team, but that job wasn't as inspiring for me because I was just a small part of, of a bigger thing. Um, and I really, the jobs I love better are ones like I have now where I have responsibility, I own a business. That's the kind of thing that really inspires me. One day I was in the engineering department and the manufacturing folks were down on the first floor and something bad happened on the manufacturing line. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know that for two days they took everybody from the engineering department and we went downstairs and we helped build and ship stuff. And so it instilled in me a culture of, of what I, I jokingly call we do windows. Um, by which I mean, I do what needs to be done on the day that I show up. There are not boundaries around my job and other people's jobs, and I think that's allowed me to have better insight into the places where I can, can have an impact in the business. In midst of all these phases of your career, when did your interactions with engineers start? That's the overlap, I think, with communications. So I'll give you an example. One of the jobs that I had in our office arrangement we had a pass-through between the two hallways where my team sat, and I had a whiteboard installed that was as big as the wall. And when the team was trying to, to work through various issues, they would go there and, and they would work interactively. And this was 20 years before. But one day, the team had been in this space for like a day and a half, and they were really stuck on something. And I went in and said, let me see if I can help. And I started asking questions to facilitate the thinking. So I wasn't the technical person who had the answers, but I had to listen to the technical people to be able to ask questions, form the bridge between their ideas so that we could get to a solution that would move the team forward. And that kind of interaction with the team helped me to build credibility, looking for how do you bring the pieces together to solve the problem. And that's what we really needed. Well, it, it, it's funny that you should say that because because early in my career, I had a second line manager who took me into his office and, and said to me, I need to have a very serious conversation with you. And I said, okay. Um, and he said, here's the problem. You're what we refer to as a wild duck. You don't think like everybody else. You, you take different approaches. You're always doing things that are unexpected. And at some point in your career, you're going to have to decide whether you want to continue to behave that way or whether you want to leave this company. Because, because that's just not going to fit here. And, and I'm amused now to reflect back um, that I've been here for 29 years and he left the company two years after that conversation. Um, so I'm kind of proud that I have managed to maintain that heritage throughout 
all of my career. Now that you are here at the pinnacle of your professional life, if you could time travel and meet your 21, what would your conversations be with her? Um, there are two things. One is I would tell myself that it's okay to sometimes say no. And I would recognize that it's important to have a destination in mind, but you can't be obsessed with the details of the journey along the way. The first thing about it being okay to say no, that early in my career, if I felt I could do something, I always attempted it. I always did it. And, and by that, I mean any task. I took on a lot of things personally more than I could possibly bear. And now, as a more mature leader, what I do is I consider my time my most valuable asset, and I choose where I'm going to spend it. And just because I can do something doesn't mean that I'm the person that should do that thing. And the second thing is this idea of I'm a pretty goal-oriented person. My daughter and I have very diametrically opposed personalities. I want to have a plan and stick to it. And she's very much spur of the moment, likes to make it up as she as she goes along. And, and what I've realized over the course of my life is that I need to, to sort of know what my next destination is. Um, but early in my career, I thought that it was important that I know six months from now, I'm going to have this kind of an assignment and in a year I'm going to be promoted and then this is going to happen and this is how it's all going to play out. Um, and now I recognize that some of my best opportunities have been the ones that were unexpected. So in getting the executive appointment, I was doing what I considered to be executive work. And in fact, the person who was doing it before me was an executive. And I didn't get the promotion. And I was a little disappointed about that. And there are many reasons why that happened, most of which had nothing to do with me. But then this job came along. And this job is perfect for me. I feel like I've spent the first 29 years of my career preparing to do this exact job. My destination was that at some point I wanted to achieve an executive appointment because of the scope of influence that I can have on the team, the impact that I can have on the business. And I am much more effective in doing that in this job than I could have been in the previous one. And so things have a way of sort of working out for the best, um, even though at the time it seemed to me as though that wasn't the way that things were supposed to go. How and when do I say no for something? Is there a playbook for this? For me, my personality type is that I'm a problem solver. I love puzzles and I get a lot of satisfaction from solving those. And so when someone comes to me and says, I need your help with this or can you do that? I'll stop and think, can I, first, can I do that? Because if I can't, then that's a whole different conversation, right? But, but if the answer is yes, I can, then it becomes, should I? And, and if the answer is no, that I don't think I should, then I will always try to figure out how else to help solve that problem. Is there somebody else I know that I think can do this? Or is there some other way to accomplish this, this objective? Is there something else that we can try? Right? No matter what the issue is, no matter what the problem is, there's no such thing as really hitting a wall. There's always another way. You have been in the driver's seat to carry on the vision of the company for so long and have guided the organization's transitions and transformations. What would your advice be to the current generation who are looking to transition into leadership roles? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. And part of the answer, I think, is when you're trying to switch career paths, regardless of where you are in your career, how long you've been in your career, there is some amount of faith that goes into believing that you can be effective in the job. 
so one of the philosophies that, that I've been exposed to recently is there's sort of a three-part mantra, which is, I believe I belong, I matter. One of the things I challenge them to do is in each of the roles that they, that they currently play and the roles that they want to play is to examine those three things. So I believe there has to be some greater purpose than just in the moment, right? So what is that bigger mission that you're associating yourself with? I belong says that I can contribute to that mission or that purpose in some positive way. And I matter. This is something that for me, I wake up every day and I try to think about how it matters that it's me that has a particular job or did a particular thing. If you, if you reflect on those things as you're trying to go through a career transition, then I think that when you get into interviews, you're in a position to be able to articulate them and help the hiring manager understand why you're the person that they should take a chance on, that, that your likelihood for success um, is high. I have a question from a few of my listeners on this career transformation. It says, do you recommend any online courses? Well, the class that I took in my academic career that I got the most out of was accounting. And it had nothing to do with accounting, what I learned from that class. The, the head of the program was the, the professor for that particular class. And what he taught us was how to think. But what we had to do every week when we looked at the case was we had to say, within GAP, so you're doing something that's legal, um, what is the most conservative thing that you could do? What is the most outrageous thing that you can possibly think of to do? And then what do you recommend? And that could be either of those extremes or it could be something that was in the middle. My, my marketing teacher during my MBA program also taught us about back-of-the-envelope estimation. It's very hard to, to try and make a decision in the absence of all of the facts. Um, but sometimes you just have to, to make the best estimate and make the decision at this point in time because if you don't, you will have missed the opportunity. So those weren't things that were in the syllabus for those particular classes, right? I would have no way to know I was going to learn those life things that I literally use every day from taking that particular class. So I would say don't be as concerned about, about exactly what the courses might be, but more look for the things that you can get out of it that you can actually apply to your day-to-day -day experience. Thank you, Mo, for being on my show and sharing your amazing journey with us. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Before I sign off, I want you all to think about the mantra of life. I believe, I belong, I matter. If all of us emphasize on this, we may find our purpose here and decide on where we want to be and how we need to get there. On this note, I will meet you all again next month with another tale. Take care.